With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. We are delighted to have partnered with NordVPN again for this season. We partnered with them last year and they are, of course, a supporter of Rangers FC as an official sponsor there. And best of all, we can give you an exclusive NordVPN deal. If you go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand, you will get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan and one additional month for free, completely risk-free. There's a 30-day money-back guarantee with Nord. And look, I use this product. I would highly recommend it. I used to work in web, so I know how easy it is to steal people's data, especially if you're using a, a, a Wi-Fi system that, that is a shared one or you're using uh, 4 or 5G, then your details can be out there. With NordVPN, they're absolutely not. And there are other advantages to it as well. Um, you can watch sporting events that maybe aren't being shown in your region. Um, you can purchase flights from different virtual locations, and they do make your flights cheaper. This is very, very useful. What a price is in the UK isn't the same as what a price is in America or a price is on the continent. Um, NordVPN can save you money Um, you can buy purchasing subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price uh, and you protect your data while travelling and using public Wi-Fi I keep coming back to that anyone who's at the hassle of a cancelled card will know what I'm talking about so all you need to do is go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand and you'll get a huge discount off your plan and one month additional free completely risk free I urge you to do it Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar, I am your host as always and I'm joined this week by Colin McMillan. Colin, you have a double shift to do today because we had a late call off which means that we're one shot in the middle of the park. Uh, Someone, well, they didn't get a red card but it's much the same effect so so you're ready to put a good shift in the engine room in? 
Yes, I'm hoping for more of a Ufa performance rather than a Hibs one. We'll see how we got on with that. Yes, yes, absolutely. But uh, plenty to discuss. Obviously, we're going to discuss the match at the weekend. But let's start off with something that has engaged the Rangers support today. And that is the ticket pricing for the Champions League. Now, of course, the draw was made last week. Rangers have a very, very exciting Champions League draw. Uh, You can go and check our live reaction to that on YouTube if you are so-minded folk. But uh, the ticket pricing has caught a bit of a kerfuffle with uh, the cheapest prices being £150 for three matches, but the most expensive being £180. Colin, I'll be honest, I thought it would be about £150. Uh, Whether or not it's just the psychology of the situation, I tend to think £150, okay, £180, I was like, no, that, that is high. That is a bit of a rant about it on our daily update show today for those of you who are subscribers. It does seem high to me. It definitely is high. Um, I think if you look at last season, albeit in a, in a lesser competition, it was £39 a ticket, I think it worked out as. So to, to go from £39 a ticket to £60 a ticket, I know it's obviously Champions League and it's better opposition, but as, as much as I'm looking forward to seeing Ajax, Liverpool and Napoli, I'm, I'm going to watch Rangers, I'm not going to watch the opposition really. Um, it is just a little bit too much, David. It's a little bit too much as especially with everything else that's going on in the world just now. And I know that's not Rangers' fault and it's not Rangers' responsibility for how people pay their bills, but I, I do think they could have been a little bit smarter with the pricing and, and possibly with some of the actual thinking behind the logistics of the pricing and when the money's going to be due and that sort of thing as well. Yeah, I mean, I think had it been spread, had payments been spread, that would have been different. If you were able to pay it up, that probably would have eased the sting out of it. But the fact that you're not able to do that and you're just going to have to find the money, I, like a lot of people, have to pay for multiple tickets, which means 525 quid coming out of my account next week. And I'm fortunate enough to have it, but I'm still going to miss it. And I get the argument, incidentally, that, look, you don't have to go. It's a, it's a decision you as an individual take. I get that. I understand that. But football is slightly different. Uh, the concert ticket example is put forward a lot. and People say, well, you, you don't need to go to a concert. And they're right there. I've spent a lot of money on one-off concert tickets, but that's the thing. They were one-offs. It wasn't like I decided that, right, I'm going to go and see this act 20 times on this tour and then 20 times next year at home. And then, you know, it just wasn't the same i don't think it's comparable Uh, you add into the fact that as you say this year rangers fans especially away from home have traveled a lot to see those matches and then you add in that there is a cost of living crisis my problem isn't that it's on the high end my problem is that rangers always go on the high end and it's frustrating just occasionally it'd be nice to say do you know what we're doing this nice thing Right, we could have charged 180, but we're going to charge 165 across the board. It's just that, it just occasionally, would it be nice to just say, and look, I don't expect them to let us into cup ties for free like they did in the old days and have to pay the opposition quarter of a million pound out of our own pocket. I get those days are gone, but I just think in this instance, it, it's to make as much money as possible. But the other side of that argument, and I'll try and be fair, is I said to my wife, who knows nothing about football, but she's a very successful business person, uh, and I said, you know, the prices are this. And she said, well, will people pay it? And I said, yes. And she went, well, there you go then. And that, unfortunately, is the world we live in. It's just always disappointing because you feel you have an emotional bond with the club. And when it comes to, to moments last year, reminded that they maybe don't have it with you. That's exactly it. It's um, it's the relationship and the whole feeling towards it 
is a lot more closer to what I imagine someone's feeling to religion is rather than another business. Um, if your gas electricity company starts taking the piss a little bit, David, you can shop around and try and find a better deal. Um, if your car suddenly becomes uneconomic, you can go and buy a better car that runs cheaper and stuff like that. You can't change your football team. You can't just go. Oh, I'll go to another game that night and see. Yeah. I'll see who's still at Albion or playing or something like that. It just you can't do that. So people will find a way to do this, and they'll cut back somewhere else to the detriment of some other part of their life. I know that even me personally, I'm looking at things that I can cut back just now, but Rangers will be the last thing that I ever cut back because it is so important to me. It's just, it's a lot to ask on the 1st of September to pay for all three of those tickets when we are our home matches are actually one in September, one in October and one in November. They're actually spread out over three calendar months, but they want it all in September. Coincidentally, it's the same day that a lot of people are paying one of their instalments towards their season ticket on that day as well. We've already paid for two qualifiers and we're going to be paying for a Queen of the South game. Uh, this midweek as well. This is all by the 1st of September. It's going to be a long season, David. And uh, you're right, something does have to give for a lot of people. But you're right in what you say and what your missus says. People will pay it. So as a business, Rangers are probably doing the right thing as from a purely business point of view to demand the top dollar because they know they'll get it. And that's the right thing to do from a booking point of view. But from a football shouldn't just be about that. If it should be about doing something for the fans, giving them something back. It was an opportunity to do that this time, and uh, they didn't do it. I know they've done something slightly different that they've not done for a long time in terms of tiered pricing based on where you are on the stadium. Um, that's something I do actually agree with. I've said for a long time that I find it bizarre that people can be paying two, three, four hundred times more for their season ticket in one section of the stadium compared to others, but they pay the exact same for a midweek cup game. It, 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 I've never thought that seemed quite right, so I'm on board with that. But the actual price is very expensive and the logistics of how it's to be paid is just not enough notice for most people. And um, I'm a bit annoyed by it. It's, it's, it's just not ideal. It's not, it's not the way I'd like to see my club sort of behaving. Yeah, and, and incidentally, I haven't seen anybody saying oh, it should have been £100 for the three. There wasn't unrealistic expectations among people that, that I've spoken to. I don't think anybody didn't expect it to be up about 150 quid. But yeah, I'd, the I've mentioned before, there's a psychological thing in a price point. You see 150 and it just feels totally different to 180. And the argument is, well, it's only 30 quid. But there is a difference. It feels different. And at a time in society where every penny is a, pri- uh, a prisoner, then, yeah. Um, but like I say, you know, I know people pay it. What I will say, though, is David Murray was kind of similar with this in the 90s. And he thought, oh, they'll just endlessly pay it. And then there came a point when Rangers fans didn't. They just said, nah, I'm out at this stage. And Rangers did play Champions League matches in front of 30,000 people. Now, times have changed, but there will come a point where people just simply can't. And yes, you'll get away with it this time because we haven't been away. We haven't been in the Champions League for 12 seasons. And because, you know, things are going okay at the moment, it doesn't bite you now. It will bite the board when things aren't going well, because people remember it. People don't just file it away and say, ah, well, and a couple of days. It, it stays. It's always there. So, yeah, you'll get the short-term gain. Will it be worth it in the long term? I don't think so. But anyway, it is what it is, and nothing we say, unfortunately, is going to change that. Let's move on then to the game at the weekend. Rangers welcome Ross County. A Ross County team, by the way, who gave us a lot of trouble last season. Two 4-2 wins and a 3-3 draw. They yeah. certainly didn't find it that difficult to breach the Rangers' backline. But there was no sense of that on Saturday. Rangers uh, played very well 
uh, won by four goals to nothing. And it was a very deserved victory for Rangers. And the first thing that was noticeable, Colin, was it felt like the handbrake was off, for want of a better word. That we didn't go with two holding midfielders or even, which has happened before, two of the more defensive midfielders with one ash to to push forward the midfield we had John Lundstrom sitting at the base of it but then we had Lawrence and Tillman in front of him and that made such a difference but also Rangers got the ball moving quicker Rangers were much more I thought prepared to just go with the first pass and give Ross County a lot of a lot of issues we were shooting more all of the things that we've complained about we saw on Saturday and long may it continue yeah, absolutely. We we lined up with the sort of midfield that we should be lined up with for certainly home SPFL games and probably most of the majority of the away ones as well. We don't need the two defensive midfielders. It's overkill and they, they, it doesn't help when you're coming up against that low block or two blocks of five. It just they're they're not in the right places to do any damage there. Whereas we've got the extra attacking player, you've got the chance to kind of overcome these defences, and that's exactly what we did on Saturday. It was four 0 It could easily have been seven eight or more, or more. David, we had chances, and it was just great to see. It was a, a cracking day. They actually at the football, the sun was shining, the football was good. We were scoring plenty of goals. It was just really really enjoyable scoring a goal inside for the first thirty minutes. A bit of a novelty to us at the moment as well, so it was nice to not be sitting hanging on, hanging on and waiting for a goal. And we, we showed Ross County the level of respect that you should show an opposition team at all times, but not too much, which I think we have done with other teams uh, in other matches this season where we've maybe just played a little bit within ourselves. We've not done enough to move the ball quickly, like you say, and uh, we've maybe just outfought the game at sometimes for sometimes matches and sometimes opponents that don't require that degree of thinking. And like you say, the handbrake comes off on Saturday. We score four goals, could have scored far more. And some of our play was actually excellent. Really, really good football on display as well. Yeah, we beat St. Johnston a couple of weeks ago at Ibrox 4-0. But this just was a better performance. It just felt like a better performance. And there are a number of issues that, that lead to that. The obvious one was the fact that the way the team played was changed because of the the selection and the anticipation of getting the ball forward a bit quicker. You're also having someone like Lawrence, somebody whose first idea all the time is to look forward and either play a ball or get a pass away. And I, I think that just sped us up a little bit in there instead of perhaps guys who more normally are used to retaining the ball. Uh, and keep possession. And as you mentioned there, Colin, it's horses for courses. Do you go with that midfield on Saturday at Parkhead? No. Do you go with it at Anfield? No, you, you certainly don't. <laughs> but there are, are certain games where you can look at and you say, yeah, we're going to need this today. We're going to need to be moving the ball quickly. We're going to need to be moving these defenders about. Now, we've looked, complained long and often on this show about refereeing decisions. You only need to go back to last Monday if you want to hear us do that. Uh we got away with one, a massive one, on Saturday. I think we always hold our hands up here on heart and hand. Uh, I don't think it deflects from our point that referees aren't very good in Scotland. But James Sands, his first booking I did feel he was a little unlucky with. I think he's fouled first um, and then ends up pulling the guy down because of that. And I think that that one was wrong. The second one, he should have. He should have been gone. It really is that simple. I know there was some debate about whether he was the last man and it was a straight red, but it was most certainly a second yellow. He loses the flight of the ball and then just brings the guy down as he's running past him. Uh, I 
tend not to feel too bad about this. Not because it's like, well, as a football fan, I only think about the ones we don't get and don't think about the ones we do. It's not that. It's if we had VAR, which I've argued long and consistently for on here, and Rangers have been pretty open that they're big fans of bringing it in. If we had had VAR, then we'd have got done on Saturday with it, but it would have been the correct decision. However, we wouldn't have been done the week before. Ross County would have conceded a penalty on Saturday that they didn't concede. And that's why we need VAR, because referees make far too many bad decisions in Scottish football. Yeah, we absolutely do need VAR. It's, um, it needs to come as soon as possible. There's the stock still just after the World Cup. There was hopeful reports it was going to come sooner than that, but that seems to have all gone a little bit quiet. But yeah, I, I don't want VAR to come in, David, because I think it's suddenly going to make everything amazing for us. I think we'll be on the wrong end of it fairly often, just as much. But I don't mind that because you've got that consistency and everybody's in a better place and everybody's got a better chance of the right decisions being made. Um, I've got enough confidence in my team that if you've got a VAR system in place or a proper good referee in place, that we are going to be good enough to beat most teams most weeks. And the VAR and the referee shouldn't come into it. Unfortunately, at the moment, when you've got such varying levels of inconsistency and poor decisions happening, sometimes that actually gets taken away from you, like Hibs a couple of weeks ago, um, where we've basically lost two players that day. We should probably have only lost one. We've got that overturned on appeal for John Lundstrom, but that doesn't help us. That doesn't get us that time back when he's off the pitch. That doesn't get us the points back that we dropped. So, yeah, the sooner it can come in, the better. And um, only, I think it will help us. The the decision at the weekend was absolutely wrong. Sand should have gone off as soon as the second foul happened. I, I said to the guy beside me, that's a red, he's gone. And I was amazed that he wasn't. And it's just, it doesn't matter now, David, week after week, it doesn't matter who the referee is, there's a mistake at some point, there's something they get wrong, and until they're professional, until they're properly trained and standards are improved and they've got some support in there in the way of VAR, it's just going to continue. It's it's, it's been this way for as long as I can remember watching Scottish football. I, I haven't, it's always been bad, but it does seem even worse really recently, the last couple of years, it doesn't seem to be getting many better. Yeah, because the game's getting quicker. And yeah. that's that's the reason for it. The game is getting faster. People have said before about uh, professional referees wouldn't make any difference. I, I beg to differ. I think that referees would become fitter, would spend more time in their craft. I don't know any, honestly, any pursuit that you don't get better at the, the longer you dedicate time to it. Although my guitar playing ability maybe <laughs> stands as an example that that's not the case. But... Um, I dare say if I was practicing it eight hours a day every day, then it probably would get a bit better. And that's that's the thing about it at the weekend. But yeah, Sands should have. Now, he was being left one-on-one with the, the Ross County defender because Connor Goldson was pushing forward. Not something I'm necessarily against, incidentally, because again, it, instead of not having enough players forward, it wasn't that he was coming forward. It's that he was coming forward with the ball and breaking the lines. That's different. That's another test for, for Ross County and it meant that they couldn't set themselves the same way that they could had Rangers resorted to the side to side, side to side cross into the box tactic Yeah, it's just that it's that extra body that can go up and join the attack when they allow that to happen and Conor Goldson's actually quite good in the final third, he's, he's finishing with his head leaves a lot to be desired but in terms of his ability to get into space and he's actually very good at bringing down a ball there was a yeah, moment in the box on Saturday where a, a big long high ball came in and he brought it down perfectly and it created a really good chance off the back of it. So, yeah, if, if, if teams are going to be daft enough to allow us to do that, then I'm all for Connor Goldson galloping up the park. But James Sands perhaps needs to spill a little bit. 
quicker, a little bit more switched on when he becomes the only man in the last line of defence, really, because he got caught out a couple of times at the weekend and he had to fill to get himself out of it. And he was lucky to stay on the pitch. Yeah, he was, of course, replaced at half-time by Leon King with the manager, quite rightly, realising that he didn't have another foul left in him uh, and substituting him. And again, people can mention that, but we, we got a similar one at Livingston when their player was immediately substituted. So uh, they're supposed to even themselves out over the season, we're told, any time we complain about a decision. So so there is one. On to then some of the bright spots for the game. And the first guy that we've got to pick out is, of course, Big Tony Goals, Antonio Cholak, uh, who just is in a, a wonderful vein of form. He scored in all types of goals. He, he scored a, an absolute beauty with his first. A few people saying he didn't mean it. Now, that's always an interesting one to me because as a striker, if you're shooting at goal, you mean it to go in. Yeah. What, else, what else was he trying to do if he wasn't what else trying, was he trying to do? Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, you know, he, he, he didn't mean that finish to come off the way it did. Well, no, fair enough. But he still meant the ball to end up. So, yeah, I, I think in there the end justified the means on that one. And the second goal really is the one I want to pick it. First of all, it's a fabulous flowing move from Rangers. That one-touch football we've spoken about trusting your teammate to be in the right place, putting the ball into the area that he should be in. And on Saturday, he was. Uh, when the ball fell to him, the thing about him is, at this point, it's almost, I go back to it, it's, it's Boydesk. It's almost, well, he's going to score. You you just know that he's going to score. And it was actually more of a, he had a chance for his hat-trick. The keepers made an excellent save. And, and you were more surprised that he didn't score that when he, than when he does. He is absolutely lethal inside that eighteen yard box, Colin. Yeah, what what I really like about him, David, is that he he almost almost all of his goals have been one touch finishes as well. He doesn't mess about, no. he doesn't steady himself, he doesn't try and bring it down, he just hits it first time and he hits it well. Uh this the second goal on Saturday that I mean I'll talk about the build up to the goal in a second, but his finish was great. He'd made the run. He was in the right. He'd actually made the run so well that he slowed down and actually watched the ball, waited for it to get to him, and hit it first time. If you watch him in the box, it was great. Um, the build up was it. Started with Tav, who found Ryan Kent, whose first touch was fantastic. It was a kick right past the defender. One two with Tom Lawrence. The ball comes back to Ryan Kent, and um, he finds um, Cholak, and he scores the goal. It's it was fantastic football and a fantastic finish. And that's him now. It's seven and nine total appearances, but it's seven in his last seven now uh, for Cholak, which is, is fantastic. I can't remember a striker to come into us in a long, long time that started as well as this and being as popular as this. And it's, it's, not, it's not like he's coming and he's scoring goals just against fair play to them, Ross County or St. Johnson. David, he scored against USG, he scored against both games in PSV as well. He, he's scoring important goals, good goals, and um, dare I say it, there's there's obviously enough Fredo Morelos hole in the team just now, but he's more than filling it. More than filling it currently. Yeah, I think that in a way he's been fortunate in terms of getting settled in the no roof, no Alfie for his initial start. So he, he he had to play every game, and he did, and that has allowed him to develop an understanding with his teammates that you can't get if you were coming in and playing here and there through the pre-season, maybe the odd start. You know, it, it, it takes a player a while, whereas that, that goal you mentioned there, the second, was exactly a player who was on the wavelength of his teammates, who knew what they were trying to do, who knew where he would he should be should it happen, uh, and was able to get in there. And, and that is big, and he, you know, he's, he's absolutely flying at the moment. But I do think it's an important point you touched on with where the goals have come, because... 
that to me is the difference between a, a, a kind of top finisher and maybe somebody who is requires the defence around him to maybe be a wee bit weaker before he can really ply his trade. And the reason I say that is that you know, we expect him to score against Ross County, etc. But he he has got the goals in Europe, crucial goals. He's he's helped fire us into the Champions League. And that's all any footballer can do is do it at every level your your team plays at. That's what proves you to uh, and he, he is rapidly grabbing that number that number nine jersey, which in a way I believe is actually beneficial to Alfie as he begins to try and come back from obviously being dropped last week. That there's not that pressure. There won't be those demands from the stand that he must be put straight back into the side. So, nor will there be complaints if he comes in and he's not quite 100%. Because, again, I would expect him to take a wee while to get up to speed. He was out a long time. But it, it kind of... The, the, the instant need isn't quite there at the moment. It's not. And But when was the last time, David, we didn't have an instant need for Alfredo Morelos? Yeah. <laughs> Just the fact that we've got someone else who seems to be pretty reliable, he seems to be fit, he seems to be strong, and he's scoring goals in all competitions. It's it's great to have. It's what we've wanted for such a long time. And you're right, it does take a little bit of the pressure off Morelos, hopefully with his way back into the team and how he finds his place back in the starting eleven as well. Um, I'd love to find a way to play the two of them together. I don't know how that works or if it works, but if well, you can, well... Now, Gio, um, our podder Martin, asked him about that at a press conference a couple of weeks ago. And he said, well, I've never played with two strikers. Um, maybe if I'm chasing a game in the last 10, 15 minutes, I might. But that'll be it. So, no, I, I really, I just, I don't think he see Gio doing it. I just don't think he believes in it. So, yeah, it's a shame. I, I I'd love to see it. it. Yeah, yeah I, I just think that the, the manager, tactically and philosophically, doesn't like two forwards. He prefers one and, and players off him. Um, I think there's just fine songs that works. Yeah, I think there's a lesson with Cholak for us all here as well in that because there was no Morelos and there was no roof in pre-season, Cholak played every minute nearly of pre-season. Um, he came off maybe towards the last five, ten minutes of some of the matches, but he played and he wasn't prolific, David. He wasn't scoring that many goals. I think he got one goal in pre-season then he, he didn't score in his first game against Livingston, even though he should have done. Mm-hmm. He did offside goal against him. People weren't sure about him. People were asking questions. We had ex-legendary players asking questions about him, but what he was doing was what you said earlier, he was finding his way in the team, he was getting to the rhythm of the team, he was getting to learn who was making runs, where he needed to be and all that sort of stuff. And look what's happened now, seven goals in seven games. We need to be patient with these guys when they come in and Gio's done exactly the right thing, played them and got them up to speed and now that we're getting the benefit from it. Yeah, we certainly are. Now, another player who gets a lot of chances under Gio and, and probably hasn't done as much to justify them as Scott Wright, who came in at the weekend and before the game, he was the... There was only one change to the side, which I have to admit surprised me a little bit then when I thought about it. We have two games this week. One is Queen of the South at home in the Cup. One is Celtic away at Parkhead. So looking at that, then clearly he's going to make changes, a lot of changes for Queen of the South. I think, I mean, he, he said as much after the game. And it, it would have been a case of, well, I can rest players and give them a full week if they play today. Or I can rest them right through to Celtic game, which is 10 days, which is probably too much. Or I can play them on Tuesday, and then it's only three days to the next game, which isn't enough. So I kind of understood it, therefore, that it just was the way the fixtures fell that created the situation. So Scott Wright came in for the injured Glenn Kamara. Again, we were going much more attacking than it showed. And I thought he had his best game, well, since the Scottish Cup final. Uh, he definitely did, yeah. He's... 
Rightly or wrongly, David Diaz became a little bit of a weapon boy in terms of some some parts of the support. People don't, people just aren't excited when they see Scott Wright's name in the, on the team sheet. They they don't think he's good enough, and at times he hasn't looked like he has been good enough. He has, I don't know what he's let us down, but he's not performed as well as other people in the team on quite a few occasions. However, we can't say that about Saturday. He played extremely well. His crossing was great. He was given their. Um, their fullback a torrid time during the game. He had the beating of him the whole way through it. And when you've got him doing that down that side, it just gives you that other option rather than just going through Ryan Kent all the time. And it means that your the other opposing defenders can't just all two or three of them go to Ryan Kent because they've got to keep an eye on him as well. And that's how these guys make mistakes. That's how you break through them. So kudos to him for the performance. That's what you want to see Scott Wright doing. That's what he's capable of. And it's these sort of games where you probably are going to see him coming in more often than not. Um, after European games or against lesser opposition where we want to rest some people, he's got to come in and be ready and take these opportunities to do it. He did it on Saturday. Um, will he play on Tuesday? He might, be, he might be somebody that keeps his place and plays on Tuesday night and we'll see what he can do then and you just see what you can do with a guy like Scott Wright. But he's shown us now what he is capable of and what he can offer to the team. He just needs to build that level of consistency now that we can rely on that from him all the time and that'll be the making of him as a Rangers player or not. Colin, you're a, a, a very metropolitan modern man. I assume that your downstairs parts are as bold as Telly Savalas and Kojak. Oh, absolutely. It also it makes it look bigger as well, David, so you've got to be doing it. I'm not interested in such things. It's of <laughs> no concern to me what you do or anyone else does with their parts. But it is of a concern to Manscape, who provide, of course, the uh, pubic topiary tools of your dreams now. If you're dreaming about your pubic hair, that's probably between you and your, your maker. However, uh, a lot of you do. It's, it's by far the most popular product we've ever had advertised here on Heart and Hand. So if you are one of the people who likes a Sean Scrotum, then you know what to do. Go to manscaped.com, where for, uh, if you add in the code RANGERS, you'll get 20% off plus free shipping of their products. Now, uh, everyone I know, because people now, call and have taken to come and talking to me about the <laughs> testicles, and you love it, don't uh, you? Oh, you know me. I mean, who's less socially awkward and stuttery about that sort of stuff than me? Oh, wait a minute, you, everybody. Um, but yes, uh, people people really do like this product. And uh, I do use the nose and ear trimmer, uh, the weed whacker as it's known. It's, it's a very, very good product for that sort of thing. So if you want unsightly nose, and, and I, don't, I just don't see why pubic hair would be unsightly. Who are you showing it to? You know, is is this? I know that I know that modern society has passed me by somewhat, but is this a thing now that you go up and go here? What do you think of that then, eh, love? I mean, I just I don't. Anyway, anyway, but if you do and you you've been thinking, also what I would say is don't leave it in the shower because it was I was standing there at the shower the other day and I wasn't going for those parts, but I thought I'll shave my chest hair off, and I did, and it's been itching. So, um, do, do you hand a man, especially a man, you hand him a thing he's going to want to use. It's the button, isn't it, that says do not push. You are going to want to push it. So if you do buy one of these, and 20% off is quite a good saving, by the way, you know what to do. Anyway, let's move on then, Colin. We take on Queen of the South at Ibrox in the Cup. It's a difficult one because you don't want to be patronising and you don't want to say, you know, well, we're kind of looking past this to the next match, but we are. Um, It's impossible not to. However, the players who come in are going to get an opportunity to get 90 minutes under their belt. It's going to be guys who haven't had that regular opportunity. 
and it literally is Queen of the South's Cup tie, Cup final, whatever you want to call it. So they have to be on it tomorrow night. It won't be enough to just go out there and be disinterested. We have a huge amount of games coming up before the World Cup. Huge. And if you maybe aren't currently in possession of one of those shots, when you get a chance to demonstrate why you should be, you absolutely have to take it. Of course you do. Um, but listen, just by default, it's probably our least important game of the season so far, David. However... That doesn't mean it's not important. Um, we've talked a lot in the last week or so since qualifying for the Champions League about boxes being ticked and journeys being completed and achieving things. There's still one thing that we haven't done, and it's the League Cup. League Cup. <laughs> right, so... Which, when I we, grew up, was the Rangers Trophy. We frankly. owned it, yeah. It, yeah. Was, it, it was just ours. It stayed in our cabinet and didn't really come out. It got an airing for the Cup final and then back in again. Ali so, McCoist has, I think, at least 10. He might have more, but he definitely has 10 <laughs> League Cup winners medals. I mean, oh, come yeah. on. It's, yeah, there you go. It's crazy. So it's the one thing we still haven't won. And um, that's why this game is still important. It's important, like you said, for players to come in and try and make a name for themselves, try and show what they can do as well. And for players that are maybe just out with the first 11, it's a chance for them to say, listen, give me a chance at Parkhead as well, look what I can do. So it's an important game. It's also an important game for us going to as well, because we're probably going to see uh, a bunch of players we don't see all that much of. So it'll be good for us to see some players like that as well and see them hopefully all up for it and try to make a name for themselves and hopefully a good few goals and into, into the next round. Because at the end of the season, I want the League Cup to be just one of a few things that we're holding up in the air. So... Tuesday, least important game, but still important. Absolutely. You, you, you've got to get through it. You've got to play well and you've got to take your opportunities. Of the youngsters, I'd have wanted to see Devine, McCann and, of course, Lowry. Now, Lowry won't be there because of that shameful tackle that he, he suffered last week in the B-team match, so he won't be able to play. But I, I, I would like to see Charlie McCann given a go. I know we have a lot of midfielders and that might rule him out because there are guys who, who maybe haven't been playing that will get the will get the 90 minutes, maybe Ryan Jack or Stephen Davis, who have played some matches but haven't been every week in the side. So they might be ahead of him, but I, I, I can't see that any harm in playing him in this tie because he's already shown uh, within the, the Challenge Cup that he's fine against sides of this level. Absolutely. We saw a lot of these young guys towards the end of last season, but against Hearts, when we played a number of them uh, with a busy schedule at the end of the season and they played extremely well, um, they were able to step up and listen, it's not going to be 11 B-team players on Tuesday. It's going to be mostly first-team players, which is probably a sprinkling of a couple of youngsters that get their opportunity to come in. And that's what exactly what we should be using these games for. It's, it's why I was quite happy on, on Saturday, David, when uh, Liam King got to come on at halftime. Um, if you're if you're winning 2-0 at home in the league against a team like Ross County, we definitely should be probably bringing on one of our five subs and giving guys like that game time. So Tuesday's another opportunity for these guys to come in it won't be a packed Ibrox, I don't imagine, but it's still Ibrox, it's still under the floodlights, it's key experience for them, and it lets us see what some of them can do and hopefully see some of the stars of the future as well. So yeah, let's let's play as many of them as is sensible. Um, maybe even a certain striker that's scoring loads of goals for them, you never know. Yes, absolutely. Now, we won't go too much into the game at the weekend, folks, because we'll have a show before then, uh, Heart and Hand Extra, which will look ahead to that tag. So tune in for that on Thursday instead. But um, before we, we we do head today, Colin, there was um, one other thing that I wanted to talk about, and that is, of course, the transfer window slamming shut as it will do later in the week. Now, excitement was raised by the fact that we did qualify for the Champions League. And I think that suggested that A, we would have more finance in place to get players and B, our need 
for players goes up slightly. I mean, I think there was a need there beforehand. I've mentioned before, I think we need a centre midfield and a right winger. Uh, and now we seem to have the opportunity to do it and are more attractive. There's also the factor of there is a World Cup coming up in November. Now, that is going to change minds, I think, of a lot of players who, under normal circumstances, would have gone... I'll stay at my club for six months, see, you know, try and get back in the team. And if I can't, I'll look at it in January. Well, they need to do it now because they need to go and get playing if they want to make their national teams. So players who ordinarily might not come up will, in fact, come up. I also think, rightly or wrongly, that now, after the ticket pricing, people will be expecting, as they hand over their money, to see some of the money that they hand in week after week going out on a player. I think it's a I think it's a fair thing to expect, David, when you have the level of increase in ticket price that we've just seen and discussed that some of it does get invested and pumped into that playing squad. Um, we've got what is it before the World Cup? I think we had nineteen games in seventy seven days. Um, we've got a big squad, but they're still setting the room for quality. And we've identified probably the two main areas: that central midfield and on that right wing. Um, potentially, depending on what's going to happen, Morelos and what's not, a uh, another striker and. We still don't know, David, if we might lose a player. You just don't know in a transfer window. I think that's something the manager's mentioned a couple of times, that he hopes not to lose MD else in this window, but you just never know if a club comes in with an offer. We need to be ready to move. So I'd hope to see at least one new face come in. You've got, like you say, the World Cup, which will be in players' minds, make them want to play football. Uh, you've also got the fact that we are now a Champions League side. So that potentially makes us just that little bit more alluring to a certain calibre of player that might have dismissed, probably not dismissed Rangers per se, but dismissed coming up to Scotland for six months or for the end of the rest of the season. But the fact they could be coming up now to play six Champions League games might just open up a a door to a a kind of player that maybe we thought would move just out of touch or wouldn't have a chance to get. So that's maybe going to change things as well. So I hate this end of the transfer window and this doing everything in the last day stuff. It's so silly. But given the way we've qualified for the Champions League so late in the month, I kind of get it this time. And uh, I'll be watching with interest and hoping to see at least one coming in. Yeah, I think as well that we need to be careful of potentially big names coming up that we get because of Aaron Ramsey. And that doesn't mean you don't do a deal. Never in football. like You never say, well, we signed a guy from this country and it didn't work out, so we don't sign any more from that country. I don't think that's... Uh, a sensible way. You take every every example because every player, every human is different. So I think you you look at it. But equally, I wouldn't want us to have our head turned. And I'll hold my hands up, by the way, before anybody says, well, you did in January. I did in January. Um, and I think we've got to be more sensible that the biggest name might not be the most sensible signing. No, it might not be. And you know what? We all got our heads turned in January and we were right to do so. Because not, not all of was... us. I can hear people saying I didn't and they turned out to be right. So fair play. Well, those fair play to them. But I think most of us just heard the name Aaron Ramsey and we got excited because it was a calibre of player that we'd just not been close to in such a long, long time. We've got that little buzz out of our, out of our systems now. We don't need just that level of excitement. So now we should get buzzed for the right player and not just the right name, so to speak. So yeah. Um, but, you know, that's why we've got a, a scouting database, David, of literally thousands of players and profiles on these players, reports on these players. We shouldn't be jumping into anything. We should have options there. We should have ideas there about ready to pounce on if and when required. If we suddenly lost a, a central defender, per se, we should have 10, 15, 20 other options ready to go and try and move on. So nothing should be a surprise. But, like you say, if somebody comes in and it is a total name from nowhere, like Aaron Ramsey was, then you have to make the football decision and not the the glamour decision, I suppose. 
So what you're saying is Cristiano Ronaldo, probably not. It's just well, Cholak is playing so well. That's true. <laughs> um, the, the, one of my favourite incidents on FF was the time a guy said that Ryan Giggs wouldn't get in our team. Uh, he, he maybe knew a lot more about what Ryan Giggs was like as a bloke uh, enough we'll back him, then, we'll then now. than we did. But uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and there are, look, I think for me the key area is a central midfielder who's a passer of the ball. Someone who can go in there and play next to Lundstrom, um, who is the guy who can attack, you know, move forward and prompt you. That would be the first thing. For me, a right winger, um, I know we've got Scott Wright and Matondo, but I th- somebody who come in and, and grab the shot uh, would be interesting. In terms of players going out the way, uh, the one that, that sort of jumps out to me is potentially Fashion Sakala. And the reason I bring this up is he hasn't featured very much at all. I suppose you could say he came on very late in Eindhoven. So clearly still in the manager's thoughts. That uh, he gave the ball away immediately. Well, <laughs> at an important time. Um, uh, well, and, you know, Saturday, the manager makes changes and we end up with Tom Lawrence and Scott Arfield as false nines rather than put Sakala on. And I, I did think, oh... Uh, if someone came in for him, do you think the club would be that difficult to to deal with as the the parlance has it? I, I don't think they would be if the if the price was right. There, I mean, there was talk earlier on in the window about somebody conferring about three million pounds for him. If something like that was to happen, I think you would. Well, the greats will not bite their hands off for that, considering what his cost is and how he's so far this far into the season already. He's not really not had a sniff of it and. He's not going to come in and overtake Cholak, is he? Morelos no. is going to hopefully come back. He's like Morelos is ahead of him, and a fit roof is ahead of him. So where yeah. does it leave him? Um, it might leave us a little bit short just now. Um, well, Morelos is out of the picture a little bit, and Mel Roof is not close to being fit. But if you've got the chance to get that sort of money banked for him, then yeah, I think you probably would do that for him. He's probably an obvious name. The only other one that I would maybe not be wanting to go at all, but the one that I could see going if the offer could probably Glenn Kamara, David. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I do wonder, though, if Champions League might have changed everybody's thinking there because he's he's kind of become recently a bit like our new Hemdani. <laughs> domestically, I'm never all that keen on seeing him in the team, but when he comes in for Europe, you can't do it with it. He was sensational in Eindhoven last he week. Was. Um, but would I have started him on Saturday at home in Ross County? No. What a strange situation that is. But yet, I think most fans listening to this will understand where I'm coming from on that. Uh, and, and as you say, though, if, if somebody comes in with big money, then he probably will go. But like a lot of the players, I think, you know, they've been aiming at getting Champions League football. And now it's here. Now the opportunity comes. The ties are amazing. The atmosphere at Ibrox is going to be out of this world. So, yeah, I... I uh, it's an interesting one, but we can only wait and see what happens. If nobody comes in for any of our players, none of them will be going. It really is that simple. Right, folks, that will do us for today on Heart and Hand. We'll be back next Monday, of course. But as I say, the Heart and Hand Extra will be with you on Thursday. If you want more from us, then there's plenty available. You just go to our Patreon site. It's patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. And if you sign up at the much more reasonable £1.50 per month, we start at per month, that is, folks, not per week, then you can get so much wonderful Rangers content. Uh, I'd just like to thank Colin. Absolute pleasure, David. Always good to chat and even better on the podcast. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to give a shout-out as well for uh, one of our podders, Adam, Adam Thornton, who a lot of you will know from Heart and Hand. He has written a book. It's called Gerard's Blueprint, uh, the tactical philosophy behind Rangers' 55th title triumph on pitch publishing. It's now available. 
just wherever you buy your books and you can also buy it on the Heart and Hand website. Right. Thank you so much for listening to me today, folks. Thank our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers. And I will be back next Monday. Until then, I hope your team records two victories. Take care, everyone. Bye bye. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.